Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Spiritist Conversations, a show where we sit down with friends to talk about things through a spiritist lens in an informal, unscripted, and unplugged way. I'm your host, Dennis E.C. We are truly excited to be here today for a special Spiritist Conversations. Not that all of them aren't special, but this one is extra special. This is a special appendage to our 14th U.S. Spiritist Symposium that was going to take place in Berkeley, California, uh, but instead got moved into a virtual symposium. So if you had a chance to follow us this past Saturday and Sunday, you probably saw that it was a wonderful event, and this is the last part. If you have not, you can always go back to Facebook and YouTube, not Facetube, no such thing, um, and follow the talks and be part of the event as well. So we're very excited to have a special group of folks here to be part of our episode number 27, which we are calling Can Tech and Spirituality Connect? Uh, a very timely topic, especially for these difficult times of ours. We want to first make sure that we send our best to everyone out there. We know that these have been very difficult moments for all of us, not only because of COVID, but because the world seems to be bubbling up in our quest for social and uh, racial justice, for which we stand behind. So thank you, everyone, for making some time to be here with us. Just as a couple of reminders before we bring the really interesting people to have a conversation with us, we are broadcasting this show live on Facebook and YouTube. And you can follow us on the Spiritist Conversation uh, and the United States Spiritist Federation Facebook and YouTube pages. If by any chance you are following us on another Facebook page or somewhere else, we just want to let you know that's great. But we may not be able to see your live comments and bring them into the show. So if you want to participate, if you want to bring your own comments and questions, head in there to one of those two places so that we can make sure to acknowledge you, see you, and have you join the conversation. Uh, so thank you very much for, for being here. Uh, we're excited to have you here to talk about can technology and spirituality connect. But don't take me for granted. Let me introduce you some of our incredible guests. Some of the folks are going to help us um, bring a different perspective to this and kick the idea around a little bit. First of all, I would love to introduce to you our friend Adrian Alvarez. Adrian um, is a fourth-generation spiritist from El Paso, Texas. He's been a member of the Alan Kardec Spirit Society of Maryland since 2013, where he serves on the board of directors, teaches a group of teens, and helps to coordinate the society's English language programming. Adrian lives in Washington, D.C., and works as an attorney and law professor. Before attending law school, he obtained a B.A. in Latin American Studies and a Master in Public Affairs. Adrian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Great. And we also have um, our friend Ana, Ana Moreno. Uh, Ana is the co-founder and president of the Chico Xavier Learning Center in Oregon and was previously the president of the Joanna DeAngelis Spiritist Society in the Bay Area. She's no stranger to, uh, to us out here in California. She was an active yeah. contributor at FEASP, the, the Federação Espírita of the State of Sao Paulo in Brazil, teaching various classes and working across multiple mediumship groups. Mrs. Moreno hosts a weekly virtual group, uh, study group um, of Andrea Luis's works uh, with attendees in the U.S. and Brazil. Professionally, Mrs. Moreno has had many leadership positions in sales and marketing, 
product development and global alliances in major technology companies. Anna holds a master's degree in business administration and a marketing with a graduate certificate in electrical engineering. Anna, good to have you here. Thank you for having me, Dan. Um, and we also are bringing somebody else here. Peter, how are you doing? I'm fine, Daniel. How are you doing? Good. Uh, this is Peter Hayes, everyone, and he's the president of the Spiritus Group Love and Light in, in Newark, New Jersey. He has done lectures of, on Spiritism all over the U.S. and has participated in several U.S. Spiritist symposiums. So we're really glad he's here. Besides doing over 60 episodes of the radio program Living Spring on Kardec Radio, mm -hmm. he was one of the editing staff of the Spirits book by the U.S. Spiritist Federation. Peter loves playing guitar, so he teaches kids and adults at Love and Light. And Peter had published, has published several children's books with, uh, with his wife through their company, St. Frontera's Press. Peter is involved in commercial real estate. Peter, thanks for again for being here. Thank you for having me. And we also have our friend Sunshine. Hi, Sunshine. How are you doing? Hello. Very good. Uh, Sunshine is a California, so to speak. Right, Sunshine? Uh, she has a master's degree in translation and interpretation with a minor in international law from the University of Heidelberg in Germany. She graduated from NYU with a certificate in corporate banking and risk management. Her lifelong seeking for understanding the human condition led her to studying and practicing several spiritual paths. Uh, cancer diagnosis 15 years ago culminated in her finding her spiritual home through spiritism. She is a founding member of the Bezerra Spiritual Healing Center in Sacramento here in California and the founder of Divine Light Spiritual Center in Nevada City. Sunshine, thanks for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and I am Dan, everyone. I'm up here in California, and it's a pleasure to be here with all of you. Um, we have many different folks um, watching us in different parts of the, uh, of the country today. That's really, really great. Hi to uh, our friends from Atlanta. We have friends from, uh, from Brazil as well. We have even our friend Adam from uh, the UK that was a member of, uh, of our past broadcasts. We have folks from Maryland. We have really uh, folks from everywhere. So really thrilled to have this conversation. So let's, let's get it going, shall we? Yeah. Okay. All right. Topic for the night. Can spirituality and technology connect? Obviously, uh, these have been very difficult times, very trialing times in many different ways. We have all been sent uh, home, almost in a spiritual timeout to our homes with, uh, with COVID. And now we're also seeing a lot of uh, bubbling and tension around the fact that we may not be treating all our citizens the same. So lots of things going on, and clearly we have evolved quite a bit, technologically speaking. But are we lacking spirituality? How do we bring this together? What are your thoughts? Well, I think this is a great example what we can do about technology, right? So um, the ability that we have on our hands to leverage this wonderful tool to connect and share not only the good news, but hope and um, enhance our uh, connection with people that today, unfortunately, we cannot connect. Every time that I, I watch a YouTube presentation, a lecture, or a class, I really feel blessed that we can receive uh, enlightenment words and um, 
some type of support from people who know more than we do, than I do, even though I'm far away. So how we use it is really the key. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, you know, I've been thinking about it. Um, I think it, it, technology is good not only for the information that we're able to access. You know, we have the codification online. We've got um, a lot of books online. Anna mentioned the, um, the, the webinars and the different um, videos that we have online from the U.S. and from Brazil. But technology can also help us in terms of learning how to be more spiritual. And one example I can give is um, I have been using for a few months an app to learn how to meditate. Um, and um, I was getting really into it last year and, and I, I got to the point where I was able to meditate without using the app. But recently we just had a baby. I have a, a, 10, month, a 10 week old, you might hear her crying in the background. And that kind of threw my routine uh, you know, through a wrench in my routine, I wasn't able to meditate. And so now I'm using the app again because it helps me to be disciplined and it helps guide me through the meditation. But what I would say is that even though the technology is there to help us to be more spiritual, the, the hard work of our own inner transformation, the hard work of us changing and becoming more spiritual is still left to us. The, t the technology is only there as an aid, but the true work has to come from within. I'm reminded of, of a story, um, a client of mine many years ago. I came into his house uh, for the first time one day, and uh, when he showed me his office, I was struck by a huge gun cabinet, and I was kind of blown away, and I said, Will, what are you doing with the guns? And he kind of picked up that I was a little scared when I saw all these guns. They were locked up and everything, and he said, well, Sunshine, have you ever seen a gun jump out of a cabinet or off the wall and do something bad? And this reminds me of technology. Um, technology is neutral in itself. Uh, it depends what we want to use it for. And um, when we, for example, when we look at the spiritist literature, and I'm reminded of memoirs of a suicide, or the André Luis series, we, we come across a lot of technology that the spirits are using. And André Luis described a lot of technology that's been used for the good. But then we go to liberation and we encounter Gregorio, the judge, and he goes crazy for the technology and uses it. And this is a judgment, but he uses it for evil. And so that's really what we're faced with every single day from my perspective is the question, I have all this beautiful technology at my fingertips, literally, but what am I doing with it? And Anna already asked the same question, right? So we have a lot of responsibility in these tools, and, and you know, particularly during COVID-19 when we were all in, under house arrest, it's, it was an invitation to bring us closer together, but again, it's a daily question. Am I using it for peacemaking? Am I using social media, my texting, my emails and group meetings for building hope, for illumination, for um, harmony, essentially, right? Yeah, and how do we do that? So how, how, do we, how do we do that? I think Adrian had a great point. Like, you know, you found a app that actually helps you, 
right? And I do the same thing, Adriano, for, by the way. <laughs> I also um, leverage, uh, you know, I had an app that I liked and then now I moved to another one. Um, I'm not going to name names because they're not <laughs> sponsoring us. Just kidding. Um, not, not that we have sponsors anyways. Um, if you listen to the show, you know, this is a uh, very informal show. Uh, but that, that is actually a, a sizable contribution to my day, right? It's a pretty practical way of, of helping me uh, rethink. But are there other things that have helped you technology-wise to connect spiritually? What, what, what do you guys uh, say about that? I'm struck by... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Peter. Um, I was thinking a little bit about my past experiences with technology, and it just so happens that the Spiritus Symposium being in Berkeley, California this year, that Berkeley is my hometown. So when I was growing up there, the uh, free speech movement was happening. And I remember, this is a bit of a sad story, but I remember a friend of my brother's was taking pictures at a demonstration. And the last one he took was a group of police, one of whom was aiming a gun at him. And he shot him with buckshot. And my father was very involved with photography at that time. And I remember being in the dark room with my father. And what happened was we were trying to develop the pictures to see if he could get maybe a badge number or something like that. And then it didn't work out. But if we fast forward today, we now have the iPhone. The iPhone, of course, captured the George Floyd incident. And it's an example of where technology has completely revolutionized the speed at which information reaches us. And, and uh, it brings up a lot of different signs of accountability, progress, and so forth. Um, and another yeah. thing that I thought about is during the time of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, if you look at a picture of the Roman Empire. It was completely surrounding the Mediterranean Sea. And as a result of that, it they also had access through the ocean, and they also had all the roads because the Romans were innovators in creating roads. This is what helped make Christianity possible to spread, the ability to have information. And fast forward today, and all of the social media that we have, Facebook, YouTube, WhatsApp, and so forth, all of that stuff was invented maybe the last 15 years at best. And it completely changes the way that we connect to each other. Spiritist centers, for instance, are able to go online and continue in this time that we had to uh, close our doors. Uh, in our case, we just transferred everything online and were able to continue. So. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, Go ahead, I mean, it, it brings us closer together. Um, you know, the leadership in our center also had to go online. And some of our um, some of our colleagues, some of our the, the, the workers in our center were stranded in Brazil. And I actually my I feel closer to, to some of the workers in my center who are in Brazil because they can't come back now because of the hard work that we've had to do together to get things um, up online. Um, it's also created a lot of opportunities to spread spiritism to places where it wasn't before. You know, I've used Zoom and WebEx to have 
um, study sessions with my family in Texas. Um, they're spiritists, but there's no center there. So it, it, I, I, I like the analogy of the Roman Empire. Um, I, I think the, a lot of people at the symposium talked about the book Paul and Stephen. Um, if, for those of you who have never read it, it's such a, a fantastic book for folks um, listening. And I, I think that it, it, I don't know, I don't think it was a, a coincidence that when Emmanuel, the spirit that dictated it, was dictating it, he was trying to make an analogy between the old um, Christians and the, the, the nascent Christian movement. And, and I think with spiritism today and how it's up to us now to use technology to responsibly spread spiritism, it was so hard for Paul. It was so hard for he and all his friends that were trying to get the message out. For us, it's so much easier. We have all of these resources at our um, at our disposal. And, you know, as, as they say, for, for people who have the knowledge and, for, and have the resources to it, we have more responsibility um, in that regard. Right. I yes. love that. I, I love thinking, that, Adrian. We, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Anna. Before, we, we needed to go to the Spirit Center to pray. And suddenly with what happened right now is that Many of the houses of the members of the spirit centers of the churches. I mean, when we talk about spirituality, it's not only about spiritists, right? It's it's a it's a religion that is basically connecting us with the Creator. It's a it's a religion that is helping us become better people, uh, more self-aware, um, more compassionate, more loving and kind with each other. So. We moved from the Spirit Center here in Oregon. Our Spirit Center is the only one for the entire state. And suddenly, with the COVID and um, with the social distance requirements, we had to close the, the center. But instead of one place, now we have multiple houses that turned into little churches, per se little centers. I remember a book, one of the first books that I read from Givaldo Franco that was uh, psychographed by, by him, but um, detected by Joana de Angelis. And uh, the name of the book in Portuguese is Message Amor. In one of the last chapters, she talks about the importance of the gospel at home. And I've always advocated a lot the gospel at home um, because I feel the difference in my house. It's uh, when I when I kind of get a sense that the whole environment is getting turbulent, and you know people are getting more feisty and you know bickery. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm not praying enough. Mm -hmm. and, and, Anna, really, that, and really quickly, really quickly, when you say gospel home, you mean like a weekly um, habit of the weekly meeting, reading, yeah, and the, practicing. The, mm -hmm. And I can, I can explain what it is. So the, the gospel at home, just as a parenthesis, an explanation of what it is, is when there is a family gathering. And sometimes the family members don't agree with the idea of praying together. And this happens at my house, too. So the even though it's called as a, a family prayer, if you're the only one that wants to pray, that is totally fine. And But what we we learn is that we need to uh, try for a day and a time during the week so for example every sunday at 8 p.m where we we read a page of the the 
this, the gospel according to the Spirit is, we, we read a question of the Spirit's book. So it's just a, a time that we stop what we are doing every time at the same day of the week, at the same time of the week, to remember God. And, you know, we there are a lot of examples of how to do the gospel at home uh, that I'm sure that if you Google gospel at home, you can find like a guideline, a step-by-step. Usually it takes about 15 to 20 minutes. So the idea is not to be very long. You can invite your kids. You can adjust the, kid, the, the, the content so the kids can participate. And that's very important. Um, but anyways, in the, going back to Joana de Angelis and, and her book, she explains that when we do the gospel at home, our, not only our house becomes full of light, but if I live in an apartment building, the entire building is enlightened with the same light. Mm-hmm. The entire street. So this is for 20 minutes, just me, myself, and I doing it at my home. I'm not only benefiting myself, but all my neighbors who I may not even know their names. Now, imagine in a situation like what we are right now, like what Adrian is saying, that he's connecting with someone in Brazil or uh, with family members. And I know a lot of cases that people basically do the the studies, the readings together and uh, the connection, the blessing that he makes. Um, so the idea that we are not only benefiting our house once a week, but several times a week. The other aspect is, well, before, you know, we have kids, we have our lives and work, and it's hard to juggle everything and, you know, drive to the spirit center after work. And, you know, once a week, you know, much more difficult, more times a week when we are at home. It's much easier, so we can engage it a little bit more. So we we enhance the quality and the quantity of the connection with God if we want to. It's on us, right? Yeah, sounds sounds great. Let me bring a couple of things together because I really enjoyed what um, Adrian said, and then Peter also gave us a great piece about technology too. So um, I, I like the focus that you guys were bringing about technology being a way of doing things, not a thing in itself, right? Um, Roads are considered Mm -hmm. technology or at least were back in the day. Mm -hmm. It's not just things that we plug into the wall. It's just a technology is a process, right? It's a way of doing things better than we didn't do before. And if we think about it, you know, technology really brings us many different ways, information, right? So before we had the internet, um, we didn't have that much information. But if we, even if we go back to the 1500s, before Gutenberg and the, the printing press, right, books were so expensive, it was really hard for us to even know about things, right? So we've done a tremendous amount of progress in 500 years. I mean, in the past 150 years, we have produced more knowledge than in the entirety of our human history before. So now we have all this incredible amount of information and we're struggling with making sense of it all, right? Now the challenge it changes from having access to information to making sense of it, right? And Adam uh, from the UK makes a good point here that I think I wanna bring up is, is there such a thing as too much technology? Like so many things that are available that it turns in too many things. Like can technology 
um, you know, distract us or point us in different ways too. What do you guys think? Technology is like money. It's a tool. It's what we do with it that matters. So, for instance, in the Spirits book, it talks about, of all things, the law of destruction. And there's a section that talks about what happens when things like pandemics occur. And one of the points that gets made is that whenever we're confronted with a situation like that, we need to utilize all of our knowledge that we have available and to put it to good use. One of the things Spiritism emphasizes in general is that any physical tool that we have, we should try to put to good use because Spiritism strongly emphasizes that we're here to learn how to interact and be in harmony with the physical world to the best of our ability. So is, do we have too much technology? Well, um, we can't necessarily absorb it all, but we don't need to. What we can do is pick and choose what each of us can use individually and then what society can use collectively. I think it's important yeah. for us to realize that there is the input and the output, right? Mm-hmm. So there's one aspect of technology and media, what we take in, and then what are we contributing? So in terms of um, what we take in, we need to be really cautious, honestly, because every piece of information, every picture, everything that we read and see online, for example, it's a, we're never alone, right? There's spirits attached. And we're opening the gates to spirit attachments as a result if we're not really discerning. I mean, even in technology, we have to let the light of discernment guide us. And that's just the, the taking in, but then the output we've talked about already a little bit more, you know, being really cautious and, and, and conscious about what, because there's seeds. Every word, everything we're putting out is a seed we're planting. And we never know what soil it lands in, right, and what it does. So there's, there's a huge responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like, I like this discussion where it's going. I think... In addition, I think maybe you, you kind of mentioned this a bit too, Sunshine. The question is, like, do we have too much technology and is technology bringing us too much information? And I don't think that we have too much information, but I think the big point or the key here is to know how to filter that information, to know what, what lens, with what principles we should be viewing that information. And Kardec in the Spirits book, you know, the, the last part of the Spirits book is very concerned with sort of the ethical, the philosophical and religious dimensions of, of spiritism. And he's, he's, he's asking the spirits, you know, which are the laws that we should follow and how do we know that these laws are right laws, that they're, that they're laws that come from God? And the spirits come back over and over and over again and they say, if they follow the precepts that Jesus brought you, love God above all else, love your neighbor, then you know that you're on the right track. Similarly, I think we can apply that same principle to the things that we get through technology, the information. Is this going to help me learn to love my neighbor better? Is this going to help me learn to be a better person? Or is this going to feed into the negativity? Um, and this, and you know, this is, this are, these are things that were discussed during the symposium, but I think the challenge of technology, because it's so accessible to us and there's so much information, we really do have to be um, sure about the lens, the filters, Mm-hmm. That we that we use to 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 consume the yeah. technology and the information. Yeah, yeah. it's a magnifying lens, I, right? I, I, uh, technology is a magnifying lens. Like, it's not going to 
um, we sometimes blame technology for things because technology is defenseless, right? Yeah. It cannot defend itself. But the truth of the matter, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is that technology just magnifies stuff. So whatever it is that you had in you before, it just got magnified. Like people didn't become more selfish or ruder, more rude, because they are way, it was there to begin with. Technology didn't create it, right? right. So right. I love that idea of thinking and rethinking how we use and practice things because people get to be very courageous online, right? When they're not looking at people, they say really mean things that they should probably rethink. But I don't think technology creates it, right? It's, Peter, like, sorry, yeah, it's like this. Uh, the book, Andre Louis' book, Action and Reaction, there's a point, a very simple point made about how the hoe, for instance, which is a tool used for gardening, cultivating, creating agriculture and so forth, is a wonderful tool for progress but it could also be used to hurt somebody. So how do you use it? Is it going to be mm -hmm. used ethically or not? Mm -hmm. that, I think that we've been leaving that, and that's aligning what you said with what Sunshine was saying in terms of what do we put out. So mm -hmm. there's so much discussion about right. hate and fake news these days. Mm -hmm. And then our responsibility in terms of how we can influence a bunch of people that we don't know exactly what's their state of mind, how fragile they might be, and um, and the moment that they are leaving, and then we may put that seed that maybe strike at the wrong point at the wrong time, and we will be co-responsible for that. Right. I I also like what you said, Peter, that you know technology came with you know internet came maybe few decades ago, 33, three decades ago, and, and changed the way that we relate with everything. It, it changed the way that we play, it changed the way, way that we communicate, it changed the way that we work, and we can see that right now. If anybody ever told us that everybody would, would need to be locked at home and work from home and stop everything, that would be impossible. It suddenly, you know, an invisible virus did that to all of us. So this is thing thanks to the internet. So there are a lot of good things that it comes from because as a tool, as you said, when we use it to the goodwill, uh, it can enhance our life. But as any any other tool, we may choose to take it in the wrong way and abuse that tool and, and harm ourselves. Uh, then you ask a while back, how do we know if we're using it right? And... One thing that I noticed is that the paying attention to how I feel after I read stuff or I watched stuff with so much information out available to us, you know, in our fingertips. So I can see all the good and the bad of all the people around the world about, you know, Black Lives Matter or the pandemic. Do I need to digest all that information? Do I need to read all of that, even though technology is, is giving me that? So I think that what is good is how we take it and how we feel about it. If we are drinking from a, you know, a fire hose and we finish reading everything that is around, you know, CNN and CNBC and, you know, God knows where, and I feel depressed is because I'm overdoing it. But that that can happen with anything that we do. It can do with food. Even if I eating good food, if I eat too much, I'm gonna have an indigestion. 
So, um, and having that self-aware, I think kind of a connecting to what Adrian said about the meditation for us to be more conscious of where we are, what we are feeling, our needs and why I am spending so much time here or so much time there. It's, it's an important question to ask ourselves what we are looking for, right? Right. I really like what you're saying. <clears throat> There's another question that I personally have on grapple with, and that is, I mean, we know that we are responsible for all the evil we do. That's clear, right? But we're also responsible for all the good we omit doing by being lazy or whatever it is. And then we're even also responsible for all the bad or the evil that happens as a result of the good we omitted doing, right? So now I'm opening up Facebook and I'm seeing sites erupt and people are posting certain things and I could be saying something maybe to help. And then there is this situation and then I'm running through the scenario how responsible I am for, you know, how often do I omit doing the work that I could do? Do you guys start with that? Like intercepting yeah. other people's fights about, and these days, I mean, every time you open up social media, people are arguing, right? Yep, yeah. yep. Mm -hmm. how, how about we go in a very different direction, right? Just to throw a wrench in the process here. So our friend Abigail, hi Abigail, brings a great topic, right? What studies uh, do we know about that uh, of people who are already using technology to communicate with spirits? I mean, after, if we're talking about can technology and spirituality connect, that's a valid point, right? Um, and so that's, a, that's an interesting thing in general um, uh, about that. And so, Abigail, I want to say that, yes, we definitely have um, uh, mentions of lots of different studies that try to use technology to communicate with so-called deceased, right? Um, sometimes it's called ITC or instrumental transcommunication. In the U.S., is more widely known as EVP, electronic voice phenomena. Um, there is a um, Latvian researcher, I think he passed away already, called Konstantin Rodiv, that used to uh, research out of uh, University uh, Uppsala, I think I'm mispronouncing it, in Sweden, that has done tons of uh, recordings of spirit communication, right? It's still the stuff of um, horror movies, mainly, right? <laughs> But that's something that uh, that's also being studied in there. Fortunately, in Spiritism, we, we've been able to have our own technology, right? Let's talk about yeah. that for a little bit, right? Because in the beginning with Kardec, with Kardec, right, it would, with the tipping tables and turning tables, like it was all tiptology. It was like the noises and the, right? Then it was a little basket, which is like sort of like a Ouija board. And then we went to version 3.0, which was mediumship. Right? So we also have spiritual technology of, of a certain kind where mediums are now able to pick up a pen and we don't longer have to kind of hold uh, the fort down, like listening for like knocks and trying to decode them into letters that then are going to become words or use like boards. We can go straight into, into the perception or the writing, right? So, um, so the electronic voice phenomenon is very interesting. There's also some work being done uh, by folks to do a, what they call a soul phone um, which is really interesting. There's some research going on by, um, by a couple of folks in Arizona and elsewhere to actually develop a uh, machine that could be able to, um, to connect with the spiritual world. I find that fascinating. I bring that up because I think it's a valid point that people want to do, like how the technology connect. I think that in spiritism, we sort of got that figured out a little bit, like we've got a good technology going over here, but it'll be interesting to see if that develops in, in the future. 
Recently, the Brazilian Spiritist Federation did issue some opinions about doing mediumistic meetings online, and it basically cautioned against doing that. And the main point it was making is that you don't, first of all, when you're in a spiritist center, you have more protection in general, so the environment is better. Mm -hmm. And second, the thing is the connection that happens between people in person uh, helps facilitate the process better, and it's, again, safer. And it, they made an interesting comment. They said today's technology isn't quite there yet to facilitate full communication that would make a medium-mystic meeting a good idea, that it's better not to do that. This doesn't Great mean point. people don't meet to... Uh, yeah. People still meet to do prayers and study together, but not to do... A, an actual practical meeting, mystic meeting. Great. So this is a great point that Peter brings because that's mm -hmm. that's a, that's not like communication through a machine. That's like right. a virtual mediumistic meeting, right? So a good point to yeah. make. But yeah. Adrian, were you going to jump in? I, I thought that yeah. you were going to say something. No, yeah, I was going to jump in. I think, um, you know, what we learned from the Spirits book is that humanity is on a course of progress. There's no escaping it. We are called to progress both morally and intellectually. And the Spirit's book also tells us that God wants us to progress. God wants us to succeed. God doesn't want us to fail in our pursuit of, of progress. And I think that um, if there are more effective ways or more efficient ways to communicate with spirits than the, way that, the ways that we currently have, it will be within our reach one day. But I think right now we just need to have the faith that we have the technology, we have the ability, we have the means that are suitable to where we are right now at our level of evolution, of spiritual evolution. And when the time comes for us to advance, to go to the next rung on the ladder, then those um, those mechanisms will be available through our work and our effort. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll discover that. And, and I, I think you said something very important because one thing that comes to my mind is, for example... The, oh, no, really quickly, really quickly. The, um, Fernanda uh, Silvera on, on YouTube pointed out, I think I didn't say his name, Gary Schwartz is actually working on the soul phone, right? So out of the University of Arizona. So sorry for that. Thanks, Fernanda, for catching me. I, I thought I said that, but clearly I did not. Uh, and Anna, I just cut you off because that's what I do best. Back to you. So what I was saying is that um, just complementing what Adrian was saying, when we, as a... Um, civilization, we reach a level of knowledge that we can reach some type of technology. For example, when we did, we were able to basically split the atom and we created the nuclear bomb. Uh, at that time, um, I think nobody really knew what could be done, the amount of harm that could happen when that type of knowledge or tool were to be used for evil. On the other hand, uh, we see the same type of technology being used today to treat cancer, for example, or to create energy. So there is, there was a learning from the, our civilization through our mistakes looking at what happened in Japan and thinking, no, that's a no-no. We don't want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. We we have the, and, and there is an interesting story of the 
the, the man who developed the technology and how he felt about it afterwards. So it's, it's a lot of responsibility to have the amount of knowledge without the, amount, the same amount of moral code. When we think about this intersection with uh, the spiritual realm, we need to remember that if the tool exists, as we were discussing before, as Peter highlighted several times, it's a tool. So it can be used for the good and for the evil. So I believe that the same way that the on the spiritual realm through the, the, the books from Andrea Luis and for those who are curious to learn about all the technology that is available out, you know, out of reach today for us, read Andrea Luis because he gives a lot of important information in terms of, you know, how they communicate, how they move from one place to other, how, how they fly and how they see what's going on on earth in different places, how they connect, right? Um, my take is that until we reach as a civilization, a certain level of morality, we will not have that full reach because it would be too dangerous for our own sake, um, knowing that we can pull resources that are extremely powerful and invisible, maybe to harm other people instead of helping, right? Mm -hmm. Just to, that, um, yeah. Freddie brings, Freddie Ricardo on YouTube brings exactly mm -hmm. that point where he asks, is this technology that we're talking about, that we're using on this plane, a poor replica of the spirit world? And the answer, yes, right? So we're still getting the uh, old version. Um, we're still in the typewriter when they're when they're already in the super uh, processor over there. Great point, Freddie. I think that you got the answer and where to look for uh, some more examples of different kind of technologies too. Just to build a little bit on what uh, Adrian and Anna were saying, when you think about technology and the question of morality, technology, the positive thing about it is that it does challenge us to really utilize and develop our morality because as was pointed out before uh, one of the things spiritism emphasizes a lot is about the the uh, we have both intelligence and morality and when intelligence charges ahead of morality that can be unstable and part of what we all need to work on is trying to balance our intelligence our progress with morality so that we can use things responsibly and um, Anna was just talking about Andre Louise. You know, one of the points that's made in the Andre Louise books regarding the spirit world is that the real power in, of a spirit in the spirit world is its moral development, because it's a question of what level of vibration that spirit is in and what is it in tune with. What is that spirit attracting? So the more we work on, for instance confronting all this technology we have and learning how to handle it responsibly, we develop spiritually, but we also get in tune, hopefully, in a, with better uh, forces, as it were. One, one thing I wanted to, to mention, um, go back to Anna's point when she was talking about the, um, you know, how we had this technology, the splitting of the bomb, 
and how that has led to destruction, but has also brought a lot of good in the world. I was thinking about this, this principle, this principle of reflectiveness I use when I teach my, my law students. I, I teach in the clinic, which means that I supervise student attorneys who have um, real cases. And one of my guiding principles when I supervise the students is I, I like to give them what I call license to fail, because I think it's when we fail is when we learn the most. However, if you're going to fail, I also bring in this concept of reflectiveness. Let's sit back and think about why was it we failed and what can we do differently the next time so we don't repeat the same mistakes. I think the same thing can be applied to the technologies we develop and the way that we use them. Okay, we're not perfect spirits by any means. So for us, we use technology, but it's important to be reflective about how the technology is impacting us. Is it having a negative effect on me? Is it changing my mood? Anna, you mentioned, you know, consuming too much news, too much information can, you know, lead us to anxiety, to depression, whatever. I think the important part is to just be reflective about the way we're consuming technology and the effect that it's having on our own spiritual well-being. Yeah, great point. And, you know, I've used that with some teams too, the fail forward and fail fast, right? Like it's, if go, make sure, try new things. So fail fast. Don't, don't sit on, on things for too long and fail forward, make mistakes, but learn from them, right? Right. Um, but we are talking about the negative sides of technology, so to speak, in a way. And our friend Tanya, hi, Tanya, uh, brings a good point here, right? Besides exchanging information, technology is also a great tool to gather people for good deeds, right? Mm -hmm. we, have also, um, we have also seen technology bring people together to do things that otherwise we would not be able to do before. Like this is an example, right? We're right now sitting in different parts. We've got folks here in DC, New Jersey, Oregon, and California that otherwise would not normally come together and talk. Not that we're a big thing, but I'm saying there are like whole movements, like we talked about earlier about the fact that we had cell phones that have allowed us to see things that are happening in other parts of the world that we might want to change, right? So there's also a lot of good things coming up because of technology, right? Technology absolutely facilitates relationships. I mean, think, I'm sure all of us have had this experience if we're on Facebook. How many of us have connected with people maybe we knew from the past or people we're now meeting for the first time? And it builds all kinds of relationships from a variety of locations around the world. <clears throat> and this can lead to a number of positive results. Yeah, yeah and, and connect people. Sorry, go ahead, Sachin. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I second your opinion, Peter, because it's beautiful how we connect worldwide. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, right now, we are at this place where, because of what's happening politically, people form groups and certain very strong opinions that it's almost like, I mean, we are swimming in a pool of fake news, and we may even realize that we have some fake friends, right? So there's always this balance of how how far and wide do we really want to connect? And is it really true? Is it a true connection? Is it really mirroring us? Are we really being of service to these people? Can we do the good while we connect with them? Or do we find ourselves following their pages and their posts and sending mental darts? So that's really something, again, where our personal responsibility is really big. One of the big points the Spiritist book makes in section three, which it talks about the natural laws and the examples of law of progress and, and law of self-preservation and so forth, is that any progress we make, any advances we make should be done with charities being one of the main uh, driving forces behind it, one of the main motivations. 
And there are lots of examples where technology has been, has contributed to a lot of charitable activity. Think of all the advances made in medicine is just one example. It's not my field, but it's obvious that, that mm-hmm. a lot of people have been helped as a result of that. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was reading Dr. Fauci talking exactly like that to see how suddenly all the biopharma companies were just working together. Of course, there is a profitability mindset mm-hmm. in the background for mm-hmm. them to find the cure for the COVID-19. Nevertheless, they're working in, I think, 144 different you know, initiatives to find a vaccine for us. So would that be possible to do? Without technology, probably not, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, great point. Great point. All right. So, friends, we so are. So I saw. We are getting. I saw that Danielle asked a question. Danielle yeah, but we're getting to the end. We are getting to the end of our uh, show, and we want to make sure that we have some time to um, to get some uh, some wrap ups here so some big takeaway so this is the part where we we try to reflect a little bit on what is it that we um, that we take away from this conversation and what are the next steps and what are the things that we're thinking for for the future so um, let's go around a little bit and just spend a minute or two on uh, what you guys thinking so uh, Peter can we start with you mm-hmm. um I was hearing a lot tonight conversations about the the matter of using uh, morality in the development of technology and how much it matters that we use uh, technology responsibly. And it's an interesting question, do we have too much technology? Is there too much to uh, look for out there and be wrapped up in? And yes, it's always possible that we can get very caught up in it. But just to repeat, If technology is a tool that can either be used positively or negatively, then we have to learn how to develop our ability to handle it in ways that are certainly responsible. But uh, we learn a lot of lessons through technology, one of which is simply to learn how to focus and how to um, utilize our creativity in the use of technology. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Sunshine, can we can we ask you for your your closing thoughts? Yeah, um, like what Peter said, it's our own personal boosting the adult in us, our prefrontal cortex, the button, the pause button, and to be really discerning in what we allow into our space and what we're putting out, what seeds we're planting. And always remembering that whatever we are doing, thinking, speaking, we're not alone. We're always surrounded by matched up um, spirits due to the law of um, affinity. So our responsibility to work on our moral um, development, our inner transformation, to follow the law of of, um, justice, love, and charity as much as we possibly can, because that really leads us to become a more moral citizen, more moral human, and always remembering the golden rule. Would I like what I'm putting out, would I like that to um, be received from others? Would I like to receive this from others? So following the golden rule, like literally all the time, is probably a good recipe for success. Great. Thank you, Sunshine. Um, Anna, can we go to you? 
Yes, uh, thank you, Dan, for having me. And Sunshine, I, I love the the reminder of the golden rule that we learned in kindergarten. Nevertheless, we keep forgetting to put it in practice in our lives, in our daily habits. Um, I would look at technology as a diet. There are a lot of options out there. It's very easy to pick. And sometimes the, easy, the easiest options are not the most, the, the healthier ones for us. I would pay attention to what we pick in our, for our daily diet, thinking that that type of choices will not only take care of our mental health, but our spiritual health, as Sunshine was saying, as we are always surrounded by invisible beings that are in the same vibration as we are. So even though, as Paulo said, everything is available for me, not everything is good for me. So for us to be very conscious and um, aware of the choices that we make and how, what type of information we put out of there, as put out there and put it in, right, as our diet. Wonderful and. Uh, Adrian, can we can we go to you for your thoughts? Yeah, I guess through my final thoughts, I kind of want to indirectly answer the question that our friend from Baltimore, Daniel Santos, brought up. Can technology improve our morality? And I, I, I give a cautious yes. However, um, you know, sitting here in my home during this pandemic, just having a baby, you know, becoming a father has been the greatest joy in my life. But it has also been probably the greatest challenge in my life because it really tries your patient, you are sleep deprived. It's so easy for me to get snippy with my, with my spouse. And despite the fact that I have access to the internet and I've been spending a lot of time, you know, in the Spiritist Center reading Spiritist literature, I have to constantly ask myself, am I being generous with others? Am I snipping unnecessarily with, with my husband? Am I being kind to the, the very people that are in my immediate circle? Am I responding to emails in a way that's loving and charitable. And so I think technology has the has the possibility or the, the, can put the potential to make us more moral creatures. But at the end of the day, the hard work of inner transformation, of becoming better people is still left with us. Well said, sir. Well said. And, and for myself, I think that um, I wouldn't stray too far from what you're saying. Um, I just take away the idea that technology really is a process rather than a thing, right? We think of um, electronics, we think of computers, but really it's about finding ways to do things better. And in a sense, we've been doing that forever, right? We've been trying to, as a humanity and as spirits, to find ways of just being better and doing things better. And we are so lucky that we have been able to add so much comfort to our lives, so much uh, facilities in general to our lives, that we should really be aware of, of the impact that uh, it has caused on our habits. Um, you know, like we were saying before, and I think it really stuck with me, that technology is a, a potentiator, right? It's a magnifying glass. 
Uh, it's a force multiplying. That whatever it is that um, we used to do before, now we can do more of and more impactfully because of technology. We are speaking now, and it's no longer a private conversation. It's a public conversation that it can reach many different people. Uh, not that I necessarily will, but it, it leads us to reflection and to the extent to which our actions affect others and the world around us. Um, and that is a, a scary thing and a beautiful thing at the same time. Uh, because as the philosopher says, um, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So we got to be able to think about what is our impact in the world and how are we using that which we have uh, to make this a better place, not only for ourselves, but for others. So really a true pleasure to be with you guys here. Um, I want to thank you each and all of you for being uh, with us today. Uh, it's always great to be able to um, have different names and different voices and uh, different friends join us um, and have a, a wonderful opportunity for us to wrap up to uh, this activity that we have for, for the U.S. Symposium. So um, thank you very much, Adrian. Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you, Sunshine. Thank you, Peter. It was great to have you guys here with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And for all of you guys out there watching us, thank you. Thank you for being a part. As a reminder, um, Spiritist Conversations can be found online as a video or a podcast. If you're watching this, know that you can be listening this to in your commute. Uh, just make sure you look for Spiritist Conversations in whichever podcast provider works best for you. And if you're listening to us and you'd rather see us, head over to Facebook or YouTube and, and find us. Um, we are going to be there, and we're looking forward to have you join our future conversations. Uh, we really want to make sure that this is an open uh, forum for you to participate, whether you, you chime in via the web or whether you're part of the conversation. Send us your questions. Send us your suggestions for future conversations. We want you to pull up a chair and join us. As a matter of fact, uh, we also want to say that on June 24th, we're going to have our next episode. Uh, it's going to be about gratitude. We are calling it Grateful for Gratitude. Uh, so June 24th, join us again for one more Spiritist Conversations. And we want, also want to make sure that we thank the folks out in the United States Spiritist Federation for making space for us and for um, showcasing this as one of their activities as well. It's always a pleasure to make more friends. And last but not least, thank to all of you who are being a part of this. There are folks from the entire um, country here. There are folks from abroad, our friends who are also regulars, folks who have been on the show, who are also chiming in. We love having you. Thank you for being part of this conversation. And we hope to see you in the next episode. Thanks very much. And the last thing we say is, if you enjoy this conversation or any other uh, uh, conversations that we had, don't forget to share that with a friend. That's how our show grows. Uh, just share something that you like with your friends, and maybe they will get to know and get to be part of our circle too. Thanks very much and have a good night, everyone. Bye.